I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each episode, we review a film that needs screenwriting support. As writers, we'll deep dive into the characters and plot to tell you how to fix this film. Listen at your own risk. This podcast contains spoilers. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Script Slayers. Today, we will be rewriting Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2, the last two movies in the Twilight series. These movies are based on the fourth novel by Stephanie Meyer, uh, the fourth and final novel in the Twilight series. The screenplay is written by Melissa Rosenberg, and both of these films are directed by Bill Condon. The film stars Kristen Stewart as our protagonist, Bella Swan, Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen, vampire taylor lautner as jacob black the werewolf um mackenzie foy as renesmee cullen the hybrid daughter of bella and edward michael sheen as aro our head volturi vampire and dakota fanning as jane another volturi vampire so jeff why don't you give us a synopsis for breaking dawn one and two It is the day of human drying paint patch Bella Swan and Edward Cullen's wedding. They happily exchange vows and are married. She tells Jacob she's going to knock boots with Eddie before being vamped. He says she'll die due to to vampire penis power. Bella doesn't care. She needs the D. Wait, vampire dick? She needs the VD. After comically destructive sex, Bella becomes pregnant. Everyone is shocked because biology is mystifying. Eddie wants Bella to have an abortion to save her life. She refuses. Back at Casa del Cullens, Jacob shows up and finds Bella pale, underweight, and visibly pregnant. He is upset, upset by his spank model's impending death, but Carlisle refuses since it is Bella's body, Bella's choice. Angry Jacob, I guess since it is hard to turn emotions on block of wood's face, meets in the woods with his packmates. Sam thinks they should kill Bella to ensure that her unborn child does not harm anyone. Smart. Jacob does not want any harm to come to Bella because he still has feelings for her and she has done nothing wrong, except play with his mushy, mushy heart. The pack splits up over Bella. She really is the worst. Bella begins drinking human blood obtained by Carlyle from the hospital. Her health improves. Bella's pregnancy continues to progress at an alarming rate. As a half-vampire, the fetus's development is far more accelerated than that of a human fetus. Bella has a C-section. Bella sees her healthy newborn daughter. After she chooses Renesmee as the baby's name, Bella's heart stops. So did mine almost at that name. Anyway, a distraught Jacob decides to kill Renesmee, probably because of the name, as he believes she was the cause of Bella's death. However, when they look into each other's eyes, he imprints on her, which means he eventually wants to mate with her. Let that bit of creepy shit sink in. Bella revives as a vampire. End movie one. Movie two. Bella learns about her new powers. She is a shield, able to block other vampire abilities. The Cullens travel the world to find allies in a coming fight with the Volturi, since creating vampire children is verboten, and the Volturi think that the newborn is not a hybrid or something. Numerous new characters are introduced and given exactly one trade each. The Volturi show up. Alice shows Aro what will happen if the two sides fight. A 20-minute long fake-out since it is not clear the battle is not actually happening, and he decides to peace out. Everyone has a happy life. The end. I would like to point one thing out. Throughout this entire series, I have been writing Aro as Arno. Oh. And that means something to you because one of the characters in our first collaborative work 
was named Arno, and we both hated him so much we killed him. And I felt the same about Aro. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So uh, do you want to start this and get us into this thing? And then yeah, you I'll want do, me to attempt yeah, to rewrite please, this first? Please go first, oh, and then I'll, okay. I'll do my best to get I, this I'm going to try. So first off, this needs to be one film. As uh, my first business item um, for as a script slayer would be to put these together and make it one film. It was, it's one book. There was no need to stretch this out into two films other than clearly they were trying to milk this cow and get more money out of the cash cow by doing two films. But film one was so boring um, because they saved the action for film two. And yeah, so first Wait, thing, it's you, gotta be two You films didn't find- uh... Or one film. You didn't find Bella and Edward's 20-minute-long honeymoon uh, nonsense where we get montages of her walking through a house? You didn't find that captivating? Yeah, no. No, I could have uh. done without that. So, okay, here's what I... So, okay. so we're taking two films and we're whittling it down to one film, Breaking Dawn. We're going to open with the wedding, keep the awkward extended family moments to introduce Arena because we need Arena to come back later. Um... Also keep the scenes in the wood with Jacob and Edward where he tells Edward that vampire human sex is going to kill Bella. Like, okay, like that gets me interested. I'm like, oh, what is this sex scene going to look like? It might kill Bella. So we get to the honeymoon in Brazil. It's beautifully shot. I, I will say one thing is that the film is beautifully shot. And I did enjoy like the cinematography throughout Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. So we get to this like, you know, honeymoon in Brazil on this exotic island um, and I'm waiting to see what vampire sex is going to be like because it's supposedly so dangerous it could kill Bella. And I just get a bunch of off-camera stuff um, and not much. I I'm so disappointed in what actually showed up in this film. So I totally want to do some more with this. Uh I have to point out that this reminded me of a tamer version of Buffy and Spike from the Buffy the uh, Vampire Slayer series having sex. It is the same thing that it's like really violent and like they're breaking stuff and like she's punching into walls and stuff. But you actually see most of it. So you see what's going on. This is like terrible how they did this. Yeah, you just see like it's off camera and then the aftermath is like the bed was broken. So, um, so I would have this happen on camera. Make it like interesting you can make it a little you know, bdsm like 50 shades which apparently got inspiration from twilight um but i it just didn't feel passionate it didn't feel dangerous it didn't feel anything like for this what should be a build-up throughout multiple films of this really romantic sexy passionate moment between edward and bella came off as so vanilla and so bland like i wouldn't even call it vanilla because vanilla is a flavor this just came out this is just bland and i was just so disappointed with all the build-up we've had to this moment of this sex scene between the two of them um so yeah on camera make it sexy get it a little kinky and make this an r-rated film that's how i'd fix that yeah so i actually feel very much the same way i obviously did not like that scene i thought that it was very underwhelming for all the buildup we get, especially with uh, Jacob seems to imply that having se a human having sex with a vampire is just leads to death. Like there's something about 
not necessarily that it's strenuous or whatever, but like literally it's lethal. And it sure doesn't seem to be in this. I briefly in my rewrite, I just wanna, I, I know I'll have time to go through my whole rewrite. I briefly though thought, hmm, what, what, if, what if vampires are impotent? And that's the big thing. And again, they're honeymoon. He's like, well, I don't have blood flowing, so. <laughs> Nothing happens. I, so he's like, so he whips out a strap on. He's like, this there is it, go. baby. Anyway, though, but I'm sorry. So please continue with, with your delightful rewrite. Um, so, so then, okay, we get to, after we get through the steamy sex scene that happens on camera in my version of the film, then we find out Bella's pregnant and now let's get this, I think we should make this creepier. Like we should see some accelerated pregnancy stuff, having that baby move around inside of her and poking around. Maybe we see something that looks like a horn. Like, I don't know, make it look creepy that okay. she's like, you know, impregnated by this creature. Um, I do like keeping the scene with the housekeeper when she says that Bella's going to die based on everything they know about the legends and stuff. Like, um and yeah, have Bella insist on keeping the baby because that adds drama. Um, we don't have a film if she just has the abortion. Have both Edward and Jacob try to convince her to do the abortion and she keeps saying no, no, no. Maternal instinct kicks in. I'm fine. The, the drinking the blood scene works for me. Trying to figure out like how to keep the baby alive and keep sure. her alive. Like I like that she as a human had to drink this giant thing of blood. That was creepy and that worked. I think though... Ed should turn her as she's birthing the baby. And as the baby comes out, she finishes transforming into the vampire. Like, I think it should be this really visceral scene of she's having birthing this hybrid creature and he's having to turn her at the same time. Like, I just, I, I wanted to see that a little bit better than how they did it. Um, she finishes transforming into the vampire and goes all feral-like. And and Jacob is the one that, okay, has the imprints. Jacob takes care of the baby because Edward has to deal with feral Bella now. So he's off dealing with how feral Bella is as a newborn. And so Jacob's taking care of the baby. And uh, I guess imprint, I don't know, the imprinting thing is kind of creepy. I kept it in because it's in line with what the story wants to do, but it is kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler. I cut that out because yeah, I found that really I, disgusting. I really, I really it went back really and forth about like, does he really have to imprint on her? I, I kind of, I think I'm with you. I think I'll take that out. He can still care about the baby being Bella's friend, but not imprint. And yeah. let's have Jacob imprint with like another sexy female werewolf give him that the guy the guy needs something after being um not able to get bella well and this is something that was actually in these movies uh there is another member of there are female members of the pack yeah leia clearwater yeah, yeah so you could easily have taken that character and they have her in like an unrequited love thing with the sam i think right mm -hmm. but she imprinted on him but he imprinted on somebody else yeah yeah i would actually i haven't thought too much about it but like I would just cut that to like the two of them imprint on each other. Yeah, give Jacob something. Throw yeah. him a bone. Um, and so to me, that would be the end of Act 1. Like you have the baby born. Like that can all happen in Act 1 of one movie. Act 2 is we see Bella hunting as a new vampire and gaining power. I, they had some fun scenes. I liked the Bella hunting scene. Like that was fun. I would keep that. I would not have... One thing I really didn't like that they did with this film is they had Charlie her dad be in the know more like Jacob showed Charlie about vampires and I, I would not do that I think this works better with keeping things 
unknown between Bella, like basically have a tense scene between Bella and her dad where she really can't tell him things. Um, and she has to, Bella has to balance two worlds, the human world and this fantastical world. Like I think cluing Charlie in puts him too at risk, honestly, because we've established that if you know about vampires in this world, you could get killed by the Volturi or whatever. And it doesn't really pay off in a meaningful way to me. So I would just remove that scene completely and just have it be a little, like Bella just has to balance two worlds. And then I'd end act two with when we have Arena spotting Renesmee and thinking she's one of the immortal children and reports that to the Volturi. So we can, and then we get the backstory on the immortal children and learn um, you know that these were basically little kids turned into vampires, and they were did not that did not go well. Right. <laughs> um, and they did that in the past, and the Vatari had to kill them all. All these little kid vampires, um, and um, and then we learn, and then the final like end of Act Two is we learn through Alice's vision that the Vatari are coming to fight the Cullens and kill Renesmee. So to me, I think that ends Act Two well, and then we're setting up Act Three to open with the montage scene of the Cullens rounding up the vampires from different clans to fight the Volturi. They each have their special powers. They prepare for battle. You get some training scenes. We learn that Bella has that shield power that she can do. Uh, they join forces with the werewolves. And then you've got the final battle sequence. I actually didn't mind the fake out. I was okay with it. The battle, like, uh, all the, like, you know, beheadings and dismembering body, like, I, I thought it just cinematically looked cool. Okay, things end in peace. I guess Alice sees a vision of a happy family in the future. And then then we have Edward and Bella kissing. We end where we began with their relationship. They're in the wild flower field kissing. And then Bella is able to show Edward the past moments. And I thought that was kind of... I actually didn't mind. The way they ended it, I thought, was sweet. I liked how they ended it with him recapping their special moments with each other and we see those moments on film like Edward has seen them and then it it the film ends with giving you like it shows you the book it flips to the last page in the book of this long series um and it like and then it like zooms in on the final sentence of the book and then we continued blissfully into this small but perfect piece of our forever and that's how the film ends, zoomed in on that last sentence. I actually thought that was really well done to end it like that. I didn't mind that is it, the end of this series. So I would keep that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's my rewrite. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. Okay, so uh, I, I went in a different direction. <laughs> to keep the general story intact, which is something we set out to do when we do these rewrites, is... You know, try to keep at least the basic plot and then just fix what doesn't work. So we do start with uh, uh, Bella and Eddie getting married. That's fine. And some of the pretty stereotypical but still fairly well done, like, problems of, you know, being in a wedding and the wedding party and meeting the relatives and, you know, having Arena in there. That was, that was, all that stuff was fine. It's, it's lightly comical. It goes on too long, but otherwise it's fine. It's a fine start. I would cut the first thing, the whole thing out about vampire sex being dangerous. I think that was unnecessary. Instead, what I would do is that Bella, they're having sex. So they go, they get honey, honeymoon, they grow, they're, you know, they're on honeymoon, they're having sex. And while they're having sex, she's like, I'm ready, bite me. And he 
starts vamping out on her there. Ah, okay. Okay. But because they were having sex at that time and it's a timing thing, she still becomes pregnant, but she's a vampire when she comes back. Uh, okay, so you'd have him turn her sooner. Right, and then the difficulty is that vampires generally just don't don't become pregnant. They can't. Mm-hmm. And But because she was, it, it's a, like I said, it's one of those little timing things. And we could even work in something with, because Alice can see the future. Alice can do something like, something about that it's like all right you know like a little warning like make certain that you're careful kind of thing because i see bad things happening safe sex is- even if it like he he can turn you into a vampire but practice safe sex exactly that's where we get our safe <laughs> sex talk it's with alice so the problem is this is that nobody even carlisle doesn't know what to do no one knows what to do the basic outline of how she gets like the accelerated pregnancy and you know in mine, she almost dies, but pulls through it. You have the C-section, all that stuff. I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with uh, the Volturi, who in my series already have it in for the Cullens. This is like the last straw. They have managed to do something impossible, which is create some sort of weird hybrid monster. I would probably cut out all the the child vampire stuff. Hmm. I actually liked that lore building. But in the movie I would have, I don't think it's necessary. They're, having built on the rewrites I've already done, the Volturi don't need another reason to dislike the Collins. They already dislike them because they're New World vampires and right. you know not practicing ancient values. Right. So this becomes just like the last excuse they need. They tried to use Bella as an excuse, and the Collins obviously figure out a way around that. But... This is like, you know, an abomination. They want to wipe this out. I also would have uh, Carlisle and the other Cullens getting some of their allies in, but I would have introduced at least some of those, if not all of them, in the last movie. Because in the last movie, I would have had Eddie going around and trying to figure out why the Volturi, you know, what they want and what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Create a um, bit of a mystery box around the Volturi and their actual motives. Right. And see, I actually thought most of these... Uh, secondary vampires they actually were kind of interesting i liked like there were two guys who were like supposed to be i i guess trent from romania like they were like the old school dracula types yeah you had like um some in- other interesting characters there's like one guy who had what who always fought with carlisle like in all these wars that they were all in together or something each of those was an interesting character but they introduced them so late that they're barely one note. So I would introduce them a little bit earlier, maybe cut a few out and just focus on a couple and had this thing where, okay, the Volturi are coming for us. They know, you know, they don't like the way we're trying to live in this new world. And I would also, the other thing too, is I would make his allies like him in that they're all kind of vegetarian vampires because they clearly are not. Right, 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 yeah. They're all just a bunch of murdering monsters. So then you basically have two groups of monsters fighting each other with nothing redeeming about most yeah, of them. Yeah, have it be more of a political difference yeah, or the philosophical. Ba- difference right, the basically them. Carlisle has, you know, he is like kind of leading this group and the Volturi want to keep things the way they are. I would cut out all that stuff about imprinting on Renesme, and I really hate that name, but I'll leave it there. I would cut out all the stuff with Jacob imprinting on her. That is that is weird. This 
I'm not going to blame actually the writer of the films for this because I assume this is in the books. It is in the books. Yeah. Yeah. The original author seems to have some unique ideas about the appropriate uh, age range of men and women because we have two men here who are much older than the woman that they want to have sex with and want to hook up with. And not just older in a sense of, you know, 35 and 55. No, it's children or infant and adult. Yeah. And and, and then you have the, that weird thing from the first movie of like the dancing on the feet and the piggyback. Right. It's, it's, it is. It's a, it's kind of creepy. It's, it's infantilizing these characters. And in the case of Renesmee, almost literally infantilizing them. And they made it clear in other films. And I, I have no problem keeping this in as a werewolf trait, but when they imprint, it's who they want to mate with. Yeah. So what, this weirdo is going to sit around and wait for this? Excel- well, she's, to- yeah, with her accelerated growth it's to like catch up with him. It's, it's It is. It's creepy. It really. So, uh, but it's, it's problematic because it is part of the books. But that's the beauty of when you're a screenwriter and adapting a book, you can take the bones of a book and really adapt it to film to make it better. And I think that's, I agree with you. That's one thing they should have dropped. So why not you, because you, what I would do is Jacob is just, he is devoted to Bella. And I'd keep that in my movies. He's devoted to Bella. This is Bella's daughter. He is as devoted because they're friends. Mm-hmm. They used to be more than friends. They're friends now. And and if you want to work in some supernatural stuff, maybe it's just that, look, you really are part of my pack. And we stand up for the people in our pack. Right. And and this, uh, Renesmee doesn't smell bad to him because she's still part human. So doesn't have that same bad smell that vampires do. Right. And, 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 and you know, maybe... Now I see. I I would keep it like that. I'd I'd make it. Yeah, I like that. That that this instinctual thing that turns werewolves against vampires, or they don't like. She doesn't have. So, I think that is both healthier and gets to the same point in the story where you have, you know, Jacob saying, "I'm going to help protect your daughter," mm-hmm. which ultimately is what you want. Is that he is such a devoted friend to her, even though he no longer is going to have her as a mate or whatever that he'll help protect the daughter i think that's fine i agree with you by the way just before i go on this should be one movie there's absolutely no reason there's so much filler in these films i have no problem with uh well you know i was gonna say i have no problem with like the uh wolf pack kind of splitting because some want to kill uh renez may or bella or whatever and others don't I think that's one thing I would just cut out. It doesn't really go anywhere yeah. because the werewolves at the end come around. So what's the point? Yeah, let's focus on the bigger bad, which is the Volturi. Right. So in mine, right, the Volturi, they're raising their own army. They're going to come and wipe out the Cullens. Their, their thing is that the Cullens have managed to not only disrupt the natural order of things where humans should just be prey, but now we're going to try to live in, with them and just eat deer or whatever. But they've managed to create something that should not exist, some sort of weird hybrid. And we're going to go and wipe these monsters out before they come after us. Kind yeah, of and it, it's just they already were looking for a reason to get rid right. of the Collins, and this Renesme is the perfect um, entry in. And I would also cut out because there was this weird and maybe you know, this weird subplot. And you didn't mention you didn't mention it, and I'm only going to mention it just because it was a something that didn't make a lot of sense. This whole thing that Aro wants. Alice to become part of his court 
and he's going to use Renesmee's existence to, instead of killing the instead of killing the Cullens, he's going to have her come and be with, work with him because she can see the future or something. That's the kind of stuff that's just filler to me. It's filler because it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Now, the one thing I disagree with you on is I really did not like the the uh, fake out at the end. Mm. I would have actually had a real fight, and I would have had some characters killed. I I had no problem like with Carlisle actually being killed, but also the Volturi being killed. And then you have, you know, the survivors, this you know Edward and Jacob and Bella. We can have obviously our three main characters survive, and that they have to kind of move forward in this new world where you know the old order has been destroyed, the new order has lost its head. Literally, <laughs> uh, Edward's foster, you know, surrogate father is dead. I think that would have actually been a more interesting place to end this, and that's where I would end it. You know, it's kind of a really kind of a bittersweet ending. You it's don't not, always like those happy endings. One thing that I found kind of not offensive but annoying about the fight thing is it goes on for so long, and then it turns out it doesn't happen. But this movie does a bunch of things like that. Like you had mentioned, Charlie. And in the context of learning about Bella and her powers, which I agree, I think I would leave that out. But also, he seems to get a love interest off screen. Yeah. And we just, it goes nowhere. It's like right. a bunch it's of like, stuff that just doesn't, like, it's loose like his, ends that just don't get tied back up and aren't necessary to the main plot of the story. Right. It's like his his friend Billy, her his sister, I guess. Right? I think that's it. And they yeah. hook up, and it's like they're together. I'm like, nice, I guess, but why are you? Why is this even in this? Why do you need to show movie? us that? We don't really care. Let's get back to you know the main love interest. But I, I do. I don't for a paranormal romance, mm-hmm. and especially one geared towards younger adults. Like I right. do think a happy ending makes sense, just for the genre that the film is in, versus the bittersweet ending. Personally, okay, no, that's fine. Like I said, that's where I go, and you're absolutely right. I, I, I tend to go towards that. Like kind of the yes, a bit. If it was a drama, if it was a romance drama, and it was like a more adult, like I could. But well, for paranormal romance and young adult, I think the happy ending is is more appropriate. Well, we have both rewritten this though at, through all these I mean, episodes as being more adult. It's true. I, I did. Mean, I did. We, we get got this to we an got R some rated, full on. We got some full on. I guess I also stuff. think maybe it's just this teenagers these days. I think are exposed to a lot more. Like I think what my rewrite was is teenagers would probably watch anyway so uh is there anything else that you would want to say about this movie or this series and actually yeah is there anything about the series what what did you think just in general this because this is our wrap-up episode so yeah i mean in general i you know that i like to write strong female characters and you do as well um we both are feminist in that way and this this series does it does not write a very strong female heroine. It's not it's not great for that. And she only becomes stronger when she becomes a vampire. Um, and even then, it's I, I just I really didn't like Bella as a character, and I struggled to relate to her. Um, and so, what I find fascinating is how many people liked these books and. Yeah got something from them and I wonder why I wonder what is appealing about this and I've thought about that and I think it has to do with you know it's nice to feel desired that having two hot otherworldly men be into you I think 
that may be, it may be as simple as that, that people liked the love triangle and that these two hot men desiring this one woman. Um, but Bella wasn't that desirable of a character, how she was written. And also the relationship she had weren't that healthy. And if I had to pick between Jacob and Edward, Jacob was the healthier of the two men. Oh, definitely. Edward was emotionally abusive, controlling, toxic, stalkerish, obsessive, all that stuff. Like, really, it's Bella and Edward's relationship is not a healthy relationship. And so to have that be um, put on the screen and glamorized, I think is a bit dangerous um, in terms of what it's teaching teenage girls about what's a healthy relationship. So I think in in looking at these films, I hope that conversations are had with women that are watching this about what is a healthy relationship, what is not, and what's glamorized on screen versus how a relationship like this in reality unfolds. Um, because, I mean, obviously vampires don't really exist, but in reality, someone that treats their partner like how edward treated bella should not be end up in a healthy relationship at the end of the film so i would have loved to have seen her i mean maybe i should have rewritten this for her to end up with jacob but i i tried to keep enough with where the film was going and and the story of course had her end right. up with edward it's like well edward changes and becomes healthier which again is another fantasy right it's a fantasy that the woman can change the bad boy and that they can become a healthier person. And I think the film speak the films speak to that fantasy as well. But in reality, most of the time, you don't end up changing guys that are as toxic as Edwards was. Well, so. And even with the bad boy thing, it, it's fascinating that, yeah, they, they lean into that trope with him, but they undercut at the same time. It's like we learn that he used to kill people. Right. Mm -hmm. In a flashback. And he confesses to Bella, which has no impact on her whatsoever. She just doesn't care because she's a sociopath. But we also learn, oh, they were all bad. He went and killed bad people. Murderers or something like that that he was killing. Yeah. So there is. And this is where in other fiction that has similar relationships, like, you know, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy and Angel or Bu and, and Buffy and Spike to some degree. But. These characters have done bad things and they feel remorse for them and they've tried to really grow past them. And this, she just kind of says, I don't care. You killed some guys, whatever. They're, they're all bad. That's a whatever. It's yeah. just so perfunctory. And I think that's it, is that with a lot of the emotions and relationships, they're treated in a very perfunctory fashion. Mm-hmm. There's no real attempt to broaden or deepen anything in these movies. It's all kind of, it's not just aimed at a teenage audience. It's written like a teenager wrote it. And I'm talking about the films. I haven't read the books, so I'm just talking about the films here. And I, I find that that is very unsatisfying. You can write a sophisticated story about teenagers, and you can even write a sophisticated story about teenagers doing very dramatic things or children doing dramatic things. You can write a story about a love triangle where there are good and bad elements to it, but you can see the good elements as outweighing the bad. This is just terrible. It's everything you said about how they looked at the surface of two hot guys going after one kind of blandish girl, and that's it. That's all they thought about, and they 
decided that things like gaslighting, stalking, destroying property, being very controlling uh, on Jacob's part, at least at one point, assuming that he can just you know force himself on Kiss her. Kiss Bella, yeah. These are all things that I can see on some surface level seem like, oh, this is passion, right? But if you did anything even remotely sophisticated in storytelling, you'd be like, no, this is not passion. This is all terrible behavior. This is toxic behavior. Where you can tell a story, and I think that's what we both tried to do with our rewrites, tell a story where you have these characters and you have this depth of emotion. Right, and and if they do bad behavior, um, have them grow, have them learn, have them talk it out, have them become better. Like, um, so, and that we didn't see enough of that in this film. So, so yeah, I mean, how would you, would you say watch or don't watch for parts one and two? I'd say don't watch. Okay. And these are, this is something I've repeated, um, but I'll, I'll say it one last time because then we're going to be done with Twilight Forever. Uh, I found these two films to be the boringest films in the series. There's so much filler to get them out to that four-hour length. So if you had to pick which film of the series was the best, which one would it be? The first one. The first uh, one, I, okay. I thought Twilight, it's a, just really quickly, it's a quick, it's a, it's a nice setup for a story. It's a nice setup for the world. The characters at that point still have some promise, mm-hmm. which I think was just completely wasted in the other films. So, yeah. How about you? I mean, uh, that's a good one. So I would say Eclipse okay. was my favorite. Um, I think I really liked the the tension that between um, Bella, Jacob, and Edward, and I thought the cinematography was decent. I liked that Eve of Battle of like tent scene so yeah i mean if i had to pick one i would go with eclipse uh but it had some problems too but i would say i would still give these watches just because like for my for the reasons for the others i think it's worth watching and having a discussion about how these films portray romantic relationships what this means for you know how females and how we think of heroines and whether what we think of Bella Swan as a character and how she was written. Um, I, I think it's it's worth watching just to have the discussion and understand and try to piece together why these books and films became as popular as they did. Okay. Yeah, I can see when that. When it romanticizes toxicity in an unhealthy relationship. Basically. Um, so so watch with with that lens and, you know, come to your own conclusions. And maybe you will come up with your own rewrite. Um so uh, that concludes our um, Twilight Marathon. Our, yes, oh. and our rewrite of the Twilight series. We hope you enjoyed it. And please come back and listen to us as we attempt to uh, be script slayers and rewrite other films. Bye. Script Slayers is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved 2023.